listening to the 4-7 Podcast, the podcast where two normal guys interview and reminisce about their favorite Christian artists from the 90s and today. Hey guys, what's going on? This is the 4-7 Podcast, back at you again. I am Michael David, we have RJ, and we have the special honorary Mr. Josh Campbell of Dogwood. Hey, hi. I got to tell you, I am really excited. Um, and we're going we're gonna to get into this. So our very first podcast, we had Spoken and yeah. Matt Matt Baird. Do you, do you know Matt Baird of Spoken? Oh, yeah. Fantastic vocalist, lyricist. Uh-huh. That was RJ's, like, dream right there. Like, RJ yeah. was salivating like a dog on a steak. <laughs> wow, RJ. I had to beat him off with a stick. <laughs> but today... I'm super excited because I've looked up to you for so long. I think you are an amazing lyricist. I think you we were just talking. The way you write lyrics is amazing. Um, Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Your voice was amazing. Everything, everything that Joel Gwynn has stood for, I have been all about. And we're, we're going to break some stuff down. So, guys, okay. I want to introduce Mr. Josh Kemble. Welcome. So, Josh, how is it going today? And what are you up to nowadays? Today is going pretty well, and um, I mean, I'm healthy, you know, family's hanging in there and just going, going uh, a little crazy with school in the house, but whatever. And Oh, uh, oh you're in California, so the COVID's like, their restrictions yeah. are through the roof. Yeah, I'm in San Diego County, so I mean, we're dealing, whatever, I'm, I'm just happy that we're all healthy, and I'm grateful for work. I'm an executive chef at a catering company. So I stay, I'm staying weirdly busy right now with last minute weddings and events and stuff like that. So yeah, I try to do food and music pairings to keep, to keep my careers um, combined, you know? I've been reading about that. I want, yeah. I, I want to talk more about that, but let's yeah. first kind of break down where it all started. So um, all right. you were born in Missouri, is that correct? I was, yeah. You were. Army Hospital. So, so how did you get all the way to San Diego? Um, well, because my dad was in the Army. Yeah. So. We moved, so we we actually went from Missouri to Florida, to Southern California. Um, so, and by the time we went to Southern California, I was about two, maybe three years old, and he and he left. So, we were we stayed here, and my mom's family was in Southern California, so it just worked out fine. You know. Nice. Yeah. So you said your dad um, did your dad was not part of your life growing up. Right. My my birth father was not in my life. I I have like one or two pictures of him really yeah now fun fact which i was reading about so your last name's kemble and that's from your stepfather yeah who was an englishman and you actually went into the social security office <laughs> to change your last name yeah. and they, they didn't even question you literally you were 11 years old didn't even question you were like boom change your name changing my name and there you were yeah i just i was like oh your last name is this parents are married i'm just gonna go do it um whatever. And I just, I just did it signed to something. No adult hand was around and it just happened from there. So, so technically I have an AKA, you know, <laughs> my birth name and then, um, Kimball. Yeah. So, so Kimball is, I'm not technically blood related to the Kimball line, but like now I'm carrying on the legacy of, of the name, you know, my right. yeah. Nice. Yeah. So Dogwood, 
how did Dogwood get started? What? Because like the the original name of Dogwood wasn't Dogwood. It was what was it? Was a half off or something? Yeah, half off. That's right. How, yeah. How did this Dogwood? <laughs> how did Dogwood start? Uh, high school. Uh, high school. A couple of friends in photography class um, wanted to do music, and and they they wrote some songs, and then they invited me. And then it was, it was actually one of the guys was Josh Hadquist from a couple other bands like Beautiful Mistake and yeah, yeah. Um, Ember and stuff like that. So they invited me to come and they're like, yeah, it's half off. And we got these, like, I think he got the idea from a sticker at a grocery store. Didn't he, didn't he like steal something to get that name? Yeah. I remember he I stole, stole a candy bar. And then he stole the stickers. <laughs> he took the stickers right off the shelf. So the, the burst like half off. Like, and I don't know, we weren't even thinking about it because 17 years old like what you know um and then turns out there was another band called half off because it's not very original like yeah 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 like it's cool or whatever but it's not super original and then um jace the guitar player's mom suggested dogwood she you know she had a plaque like look at this and you know there's a myth about the tree about the cross and stuff like that so we thought it was cool i always you know thought i, I didn't really it wasn't too outspoken because i'm pretty chill but i was like i think it, should, it would be a cool name to be like the legend of the dogwood like have it called that but it's a little <laughs> too long for a punk rock name but nowadays there's like multiple there's so many words and bands names now so it would have worked out nowadays but we just went with the one dogwood you know it's classic classic name yeah and now there's it turns out there's other dogwood, there's other dogwood bands yo no word no word of a lie so when i turn to itunes there's yeah. like you yeah. and there's some like folk country band called dogwood on there's, itunes there is a oh and actually we weren't the first we were the second dogwood band there was i have an eight track cassette of, a, of the dogwood folk band from the 70s who they did a couple records and then they disbanded so there was no band but now there's like some i think there's a band in florida named dogwood um something you know they don't sound like they don't sound like we sounded, but it was, it was pretty funny. Because like, if you look up Dogwood, you might find other bands. Listen, there's, in my mind, there's only one Dogwood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you were saying you guys got into the band in high school. Um, what were yeah. some of your musical influences at the time um, in high school that, that kind of progressed into your music there? Um, for myself, it was a lot of um, whatever was on like snowboarding and surfing videos. Hmm. we're down here in san diego at the beach you know and and also there's like snow nearby so a lot of snowboarding videos skating surfing and then so that's a lot of like bad religion no effects offspring and i was and, and we were into heavy metal too so you know metallica and actually one of my favorite bands and my that my that my church used to put on concerts with was the crucified and they were you know bit you know let's be fair they sounded like minor threat and metallica kind of put together so we I, I listened to them a lot because um, it was one of the records my mom would let me listen to. Right, let's be honest. You know, mom, <laughs> mom's not going to let me listen to all the stuff I want to listen to. And I was listening to a lot of I was listening to a lot of hip hop and, and local local rap and stuff like that. But there wasn't a lot of um, there wasn't a lot of like I guess local punk bands that I knew of. There might they were around, but I didn't know about it just yet. I didn't really break into that until we started playing as a band. Yeah. So what was your first concert you ever went to? That I went to? I mean, so San Diego Sports Arena, um, Carlos Santana with my mom and, you know, my, my mom and my aunt used to go to concerts all the time. Nice. Didn't she get you, didn't she get you, didn't she get you backstage? <laughs> yeah, we were, yeah, we, they, we, they were party animals. So rock and roll time. <laughs> um, 
the backstage with the Carlos Santana people. You know, everyone's nice to pretty much everyone's nice to little kids back there because you know they all they all went through the same thing. I guess like hey, let's 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 bring them along, you know, kind of thing. So I saw some stuff. I saw some the good and the bad and the ugly. Right? <laughs> but um, yeah, that was the first one, and then it, and it just went from there. Because the county fairs had always always had stuff, and um, and then when I once I started going to like more shows on my own, like rock and roll shows or punk rock shows or metal shows. I was, you know, coming home bruised up and dinged from the rock and stuff like that. Like, Where have you been? You know, I'm like, I'm not out fighting or gangbanging. I'm just going to concerts, you know? You're in the mosh pit. <laughs> yeah. She, she, like, what's, what is, the, what's that? What's the mosh pit? Like, it's like, hey, mom, I'll, okay, mom, come in there, yeah. come in the li- middle of the living room. I'll show you yeah, what the mosh pit is. Yeah. So I'm like, don't worry about it. Just as long as I'm coming home safe, you know? So, <laughs> so, uh, so you, so we were in high school. Mm-hmm. And you're with your friends and you guys are going to be called half off mm-hmm. and um, you guys transitioned to the name Dogwood. Yeah. Now, how did you guys get to rescue records? Cause people, let me, let me break this down a little bit. People who don't know rescue records, rescue records was an incredible label with actually POD was on that label. And actually the yeah. Marcos's father, the guitarist of POD, that was his father's label. And yeah, oh, the, the drummer, the drummer. Oh yeah, the drummer. Yep, the um, Wu, uh, Wu's father. Yep. And then you had um, you guys. You guys, you had NIV. Mm-hmm. Um, how did this come about? Being seventeen-year-old kids. <laughs> um, good question. Because we were not very good. Um, we were friends. We were friends with um, no innocent victim. We were. We all went to church together. And I think one or maybe one or two of the guys from Beauty were going to our church a little bit here and there. But my church put on a lot of concerts, actually. Calvary Chapel, Escondido in North North San Diego County. I'm like pointing north like you can see it. Um, <laughs> uh, they put on a lot of concerts. So the bands were always at the church. So there was there was always always metal bands and, you know, people who didn't go to church would come to, you know, they were putting it on as outreach for people to come to the church, basically. But about 50 percent of the churchgoers were in bands. Yeah. So, you know, POD and, and NIV, known as the victim, were always around. And then, you know, of course, so POD was on the label, then known as the victim. I think there was one other band also at the time, from, but they weren't from San Diego. And then, then us. So we were, we were the early days of, of the label. And um, we were, we were the, we were like the punk band because POD was POD. Yep. Our known as the victim was the hardcore. The other band was, I forget what they were doing. Sorry guys, and then we were we were the skate punk, so it was kind of like building the building the genres on the label. Yeah, I gotta tell you something. Like I, the, your your first record, um, good old days, but then you had your second record, which was my introduction to Dogwood. <laughs> like that was my I remember. So my cousin Dave and uh-huh. I we used to we used to go to is it Dave Donnelly? It, that's a possibility. <laughs> David Donnelly, my man. So we um. We used to go to this place called Joyful Sound, the most idiotic name for a Christian bookstore. Like Joy- okay, yeah. Joyful Sound. A Christian bookstore, yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, who was it? Matthew Baird from Spoken said that. He went, He was at a Noah's Ark Christian bookstore. I mean, oh, come on. Go. Christians have to do a better job at naming things. <laughs> but anyway. I'm, I agree. Like, what, do better. Like... <laughs> so, like, um, I remember listening to this um, 
um, through thick and thin. Mm -hmm. And the very first song, All Hands on Deck, when the drums were going, the guitar was going super fast, that was the very first time I ever heard punk rock. And I was like, holy crap, my my mind, my life has just changed. And I didn't even know it was called punk rock. So. Like, there's like, like, this? Yeah, there was. I, I, I'm like, it's awesome. My mind's blown. And then there's a guy who comes in, and he's a new Christian. He's like, I'm trying. He's an older guy. I was, I was probably, I was 14, and the guy who came was like in his 40s. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm looking for some music. What do you recommend? I'm like, well, I think this is fantastic. And I'm like, I'm like, how would you describe it? I'm like, oh, super fast guitars. Oh, speed metal. Sure, speed metal it is. <laughs> But, yeah, um, wish, yeah. <laughs> but that album was fantastic and i was we were, we were talking off 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 the uh, off live you had some deep topics on that on that album yeah yeah um like yeah i was i was thinking like now that i look back at it it's like was it too serious you know for such a 17 year old an 18 to be saying all of these things like about all this stuff you know to be honest it was a, it was the right the songwriting has always been a collaborative effort in the band um, some of those songs were written by Jace, the original guitarist, and Russell, the drummer, wrote wrote a couple of the songs on there. So we all and and Sean, the bass player, he actually wrote some songs there too. So he he wrote the song about he called tribute is about his mother passing away from cancer. And so then that's that's who Claudia is. Claudia, yeah. So that's Sean Beatty's mom. And then so like we all contributed, and and when you put it all together, that's that's a, that's a lot of it's a lot of feelings to put into you know half an hour. Yeah, yeah. thirteen. Now- yeah so one of the things i want to talk about is this like like we said before we had the song about family values it was about abuse in the line of fire about abortion who am i to say there's ours what about christian judging daddy dearest about daddy problems now daddy dearest did that have to do with your dad leaving back in the day no that was actually the stepdad and the and my mom uh it was that that one song in particular was just about kind of their their last fight like the last big blowout and the whole, so the whole song, the lyrics in the song are about that. My, my whole experience in that, uh, uh, witnessing that, that whole situation and the, and the, everything involved with my brother and sister and the, them two fighting and the words that were said and, you know, um, and the trickiness of being, being in a Christian family and, and through all that, cause that's going through my head at the same time when I'm witnessing all this and writing, I'm like, dude, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> Can you break that down a little bit? Because I didn't, I forgot to mention that one of the things I learned about you is that when your stepfather left, you had to actually become the father-like figure in the family. Right. Yeah. So in high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, you know, a little bit growing up quick, you know, cause kind of single mom, you tend to like, you know, hang out on the streets a little bit more do whatever you want. But at the same time, I had, I felt a little bit of pull and responsibility to, take care of the family, you know? And also, I don't know, it was just the, because before, so before my mom remarried, it was, it was just her and I. So, so I was a single mom raised and then stepdad for about 10 years and then re- help raising my siblings, you know? Um, so yeah, just, just ul- the ultimate responsibility of being a parent, but I mean, they're not my kids, but they're my family. So just need to make sure things are okay. So, I was kind of forced in that role, in that sense, to be a good kid, you yeah. know, so I'm not getting in trouble so I can come home and take care. So, yeah, it was a little bit, it was a little, it was a little abrupt of a transition, you know, hmm. but so the- I'd, I'd rather be able to do that than still have 
maybe my dad around, you know, abusing the family. So the band, the band's formed. You, you're obviously going through a ton of stuff at home. Maybe that has a big part in how serious your lyrics were in that album. Yeah. As you guys are playing out in this scene, uh, this mm-hmm. punk rock scene, what was what was the reaction to you guys coming out and playing with lyrics that weren't the typical punk rock lyrics? You guys were singing about Jesus. You guys were singing about issues yeah. in the church. How, how did that? How did the reaction come from fellow bands and also maybe even the audience throughout your shows? I think it was, a, I mean, overall, like more than not, it was a, a well-received, I would say, um, because we, we would, not every single song we would talk about, but we would kind of sometimes talk about a song before we started it. Like this one's about, you know, I didn't tell them the whole story. Like we just talked about with my parents, but I say like, you know, I know some of, some of you out there have come from a broken family, blah, blah. This is about that. And because the song we, the song mentions how I struggle with forgiveness towards that situation or, you know, the song about, you know, Sean's, Sean's mom passing, like, you know, this song is about this and we're, how, how are we coping with, how are we coping with that? Or how are we dealing with that? And there's not always an answer. And we're, we're trying to tell people like, it wasn't like a, we weren't, we didn't have like a fire and brimstone message. Like you're, you know, kind of, if you don't this, then that, or you're going to, you know, hell and stuff like that. It was more like, here's our experiences. And and we're, we're people in the church and these are still our experiences, whether you're in church or not, you're going to have these experiences, you know, 50% of the people in, in the church are going to possibly get divorced. So this might, this might be affecting you or, or us as a, as a, you know, so basically three out of the four of us in the band had that happen, you know? Um, so stuff like that. So we were trying to, we were trying to, not teach but like show our experiences through the songs and through the lyrics and um that emotion that came out and the craziness of the drums or like how you know the strength of the guitars or whatever so i think you know i'm not gonna lie sometimes we were not well received you know it was too too much we were it was too too over the top for some of the shows or some of the audience members but at the same time the same people who would heckle us would still you know come to the shows or whatever. Cause we, we didn't play in all, we weren't always playing in churches and stuff like that. We, we did, we played everywhere, anywhere we could, you know, skate park, uh, concert halls, VFW, whatever. We just wanted to get out there and play. So we weren't always like playing to youth group kids basically. So we, we knew that we were, we might get, you know, made fun of because the history of the punk rock lyrics in general was not kind of the stuff we were saying. We weren't, I wasn't like, you know, screw the government or whatever and i was saying it in my own way but I, was it, I was saying it in the same way so um you know i i try to boil it down to we're all kind of trying to say the same thing here we're all trying to have our voices heard we're all trying to get a message across in our own way and ours just happens to be a, a place from a place of these bad experiences and not every single song was like that but i always try to have it um be a conversational song like if you if you look at the lyrics from say the first song on the first record all the way through to the last song on the last record. It's kind of a, a journey through the lyrics of a maturation or of conversations of, you know, people in the church talking to each other or people in the church talking to people who don't go to church or people who don't go to church talking to people who do go to church. Like you were saying on Through Thick and Thin, like Christians judging other people or whatever. It's like, maybe that's one reason why people didn't want to go to church because they're being judged by blah, blah. Or maybe that's Amen. what, so, I was trying to say that because I saw that and I felt that even from people in churches, like when we would go on tour 
and people would say, you are not, you're not preaching enough. I'd be like, have you read those lyrics? You know? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> they, they do it like this because we're this type of church and there's this. And I was like, I understand that. That's fine. You know, you do whatever you're going to do. We wrote these from a from a place. We didn't write these kind of, you know, from a denomination or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. So we just kind of always try to do it through our experiences with respect. And sometimes we came across as maybe as disrespectful to certain, you know, churches or whatever. But when we played in the non church venues you know it's kind of like anything goes or whatever so we we could kind of do whatever songs you wanted and we might get some heckling and trash talk but like um we could still say things that we wanted to say to people like hey you know somebody out there loves you if you need to talk about anything we're here for you kind of thing you know so it's like maybe sometimes over preachy but like at the same time i know for example you know some someone like michael or other people that i've talked to around the country have really been receptive to those conversations you know and the reason why I I'm receptive of it is because I don't think the church talks about things enough. A lot of times at least at that point, not in those days. Say it again. At least not in those days. Yeah. And that's the thing I'm saying growing up, like Christian, there was like, there were some things you could talk about and there was other things you just push under the carpet. And you just, you just, you just kind of think the church is a good place to, but the, the church is full of sinners and the church is full of broken people. That's why we go. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, so I appreciated your lyrics a lot. You know, you. Your lyrics were just yeah. very, especially on your second album through thick and thin. It was just so deep. I was just, I was listening to the lyrics and I kept saying to myself as an 18 year old kid, <laughs> how the heck did he go through all these life experiences? And it was just a very yeah. amazing album. And the unfortunate thing is that so many other people have also gone through those experiences. Yeah. It wasn't just our own experience. And that's, that's, that's what kind of sucks about it. It's like so many people have had these same experiences. And like you said, that, you know, the church for as good as it is, it's also just as, you know, sweeping under the rug. We wrote and sang about those sweeping under the rug things on every single record. Like, I love, that's why I love it. Like, I guess it was like, bold or unashamed of like not just gospel stuff but like hey you know this happened to me and i want to tell somebody or this is happening in the church or you know like there is a reason why it's hard to get your friends to come to church and here's one of the reasons or you know just different things and and we so we put it into song or you know we put it into lyrics or whatever because some of the lyrics are secretive and subversive if you really really dive into them you can kind of tell what we're talking about and i haven't really told everybody what every single song is about but um because that's the interpretation of art right like yeah hey is this song about this song like if you want it to be you know maybe i always always love the people who are like the song's about me it's like no no, it's not (laughs) (laughs) like i'm pointing point i mean you know of course when i was younger i was like more of an immature writer and i'd be like this person did me wrong i'm gonna maybe like you know Put it, take a jab at them in this lyrics order, but like, you know, overall, I was more like my lyrical commentary on the on the church as a whole. Um, you know, um, like almost like uh, through my own experiences in uh, growing up in a Christian home, which was very problematic, or in, in my particular home, and then also because I only say that because in our Christian family we were still very involved in the church. Yeah, and all these problems. 
And then uh, in other songs that we were talking about, all the things that were happening in our songs were people who went to church. And that was so so crazy to me. Like, I couldn't understand it as a teenager. Like, whoa, like you said, this is supposed to be like, we're supposed to be like above or like better or whatever, but we're not. We're just the, we're just the same, if not worse, right? How, with all that said, especially when you were a teenager, because as your albums progressed, mm -hmm. um, I really saw a growth in your lyrics. Thank you. Um, and it was almost like a spiritual maturity, um, especially when Matt Argon came around and like, like, like the song do or die. That song, the song's just amazing. And it's just like such a, that song honestly could be almost be a worship song just because how amazing and personal the lyrics yeah. are. I've heard it done. Some, somebody sent me, uh, my daughter plays on piano sometimes and I've heard it done acoustically. It's another one that Russell wrote. Russell wrote the words and, and music for that. And, um, you know, I just, it's just all worked out together with, you know the singing and the everyone playing together it's a but it is a it is a good um it's a very good song overall like in general just lyrics it's, it's one of my favorites he probably wrote it start to finish so super props to rest for you know writing a, such a banger yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so such, like such a straightforward message like you can't you, you have you can totally understand every word that's said in that song and like you know and of course, you know, that just everything came together on that record. Like you said, like Brian Green was producing that and, you know, he just kept kept at me like, you know, come on, let's do it. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Like until it was like, he's like, your voice is like butter on this part. Let's do it. You know, so it was cool. So, I'm going to step back a little bit here. So you, yeah. said, you said earlier that um, when you were 17, you were going to all these things. And um, how did you keep your faith strong or growing or growing? And maybe it wasn't growing. Maybe you were struggling, but... How was when you, when Christians were the ones who were judging you? When Christians were the ones who were um, being worse than a non-Christian were to you because because of the what you were singing about the band that you were in, your mom and dad yeah. getting divorced. Right. How did you keep it together as a Christian, or did you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it was definitely a struggle, or you know, still is. I should say it's never been easy to 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 stay. You know, like I think in my journey personally, like um, I've been, I've been allowed in my faith to, to have it stretched to its limits and capacity, and when it, and things that stretch, if they don't, if they don't break, they they bounce back, right? So, like when my when my son was born, he was, you know, he had an emergency C-section. I was like, what God would allow this kind of thing, you know, like the the whole old philosophical, you know, theological discussion. Um, bad things happening to good people and vice versa. Um, so, uh, you know, I sing about it enough about all these topics. And then once it really actually happens in my physical life, I'm like, oh, you know, falling apart. And I'm like kind of losing, you know, you lose, you lose a little bit. It's like an erosion. The wave keeps hitting the rock. You know, it's, it's a, I say that a lot in San Diego because the waves are, we have the beach right here. So, but I was like pretty, it was in a dark place. Right. And then I was talking to somebody and they're like, God's not going anywhere, you know, God's, God's always there. And it's just a matter of where we go and where we come back to. Um, and so like, I guess I, I realized that my whole life, ever since I was, even before the band, whatever, even when I was like 10, I was questioning things in the church. But um, I realized that it's not about, you know, the pastor or the worship team or the congregation. It's about, you know, how, how I'm feeling about the, my own faith and my relationship and with the church or God or anything like that and keeping it, like you said, how do you keep it or, or not? Um, I think that, I think that I realized that through all this, that I'm, 
I like to say I'm a follower of Jesus, Jesus' teachings, instead of like saying like I adhere to this denomination or this, you know, I, I don't like to like to say I'm involved with the I, 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 what I'm saying, Christian Church of America or whatever. It's like because the names of those things have been so convoluted and distorted through different like, you know, televangelists or, you know, different people doing bad things in the name of in the name mm-hmm. of the church or the name of Jesus. I'm like, if I really boil it down, I like I really like boiling it down. I'm a chef. I really like boiling it down, get to the core of everything. And it should be, in, in my opinion, I don't like saying should, but it, it feels like if we're really, if I'm really walking in the faith and stuff like that and, and trying to live like Jesus, then the true core of, of my Christianity and my faith would be trying to live like Jesus and teach, treating other people like Jesus did and, you know, kind of being there for people like Jesus was for me and stuff like that. And because if I treated people, you know, in any other way or my own way, my own selfish way without that, I'd be, I'd probably not be in a good of a place as I am now, you know? Um, and I think to, in order to keep that, that faith, you do have to, we're not robots, basically. We can't just be like, you know, yes, Lord, I'll do whatever you say. Yes. You know, you can, you can do that, but there's no, then there's no real experience. And I think that doing that stretching and going on that spiritual journey and, you know, maybe even going dark for a little bit, maybe that's a thing, you know, like you can come back or whatever. That might be right for some people, but like, um, like I said, we're not robots. I think we're made to experience life, experience bad things, maybe um, for better or worse. And, and, and then to, to really experience joy, you kind of have to know the opposite. You know? awesome. I told my kids you to really know, to really know what good food is. You kind of sometimes have to have bad food to say, you know, like, like it's, it works for everything to know something good. You kind of have to know the opposite or whatever, or at least something not as good, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So after, three studio albums mm-hmm. you then uh get on tooth and nail records mm-hmm. um you were in a part for me at least i came into the rock scene christian rock scene um in the early 2000s so you were along with uh, a number of other bands a big part of the early 2000s christian rock scene in tooth and nail you had yourselves you had beloved you had mxpx slick shoes under oath had a couple albums at that time mm-hmm. uh, on tooth and nail um, what was the difference for you when you came off Rescue Records, you did your own record, and now you're on Tooth and Nail? Was that at the time for you like, whoa, this is huge? Or did, was it not that big of a deal? What, what, what was the feeling at that time? I mean, it, it, was, it was great. Like, Tooth and Nail was always really good to us. And it was I think it was perfect timing. Um, like you said, the bands that you mentioned, mainly, namely the punk bands, MXPX and Slick Shoes, I think they were always... Um, pushing us towards the label, like trying to tell Brandon to that we should be on the label or anything like that, you know? Um, Cause we had only signed like with rescue it was like, you know, one, one album contracts. We want to do another one. Sure. You know? And then we did through thick and thin. And then like you said, independent, which, which ended up being re-released on FaceTime records. Cause we're, cause Jason at FaceTime, he, he also went to that same church where we all grew up. So we we're kind of all super tight knit. And so he's like, yeah, I'll put it out, whatever. And then, um, we we recorded that that independent record between rescue and tooth and nail um when we had a manager at the time that was trying to get us onto major labels so we did that's why if you have the original uh uh the original version of that independent record it has preschool days as a um it's it, we did it as a what's called a radio length it was like three minutes and 30 seconds long we we added a little bit extra to the song to make it a major label single 
Um, and then we ended up, we ended up firing that, you know, parting ways with that manager, I should say. And, uh, but it was, but basically it was going to be, that was going to be a release demo for like the Warner Atlantic group. Um, that was his, the big, that was his big picture for us, for the band. But they, once we started in talks with the, with the major labels, they had like, they had like songs written for us that they wanted me to sing from other bands that they had shelved a couple of covers. Like it was like a pretty, it was a pretty weird experience for me because I'm, I'm very DIY punk rock ethic ethos, you know? And um, I just didn't want, I didn't really want any part of that, but he's like, it's going to be great for you guys. And like, you know, it's the next, it's the next step. It's a huge step from rescue records. Of, of course, you know, rescue to major, like um, the money was there. It was just, it just seemed, it seemed a little sour for me personally. Um, it could have been great, whatever. But at the same time, I was like, I don't, the, they wanted us to tone down the message, you know, um, basically not sing. they wanted basically to write the record for us and like get the whole kind of major label, the stuff you hear about for major labels, they wanted to do all that to, to Dogwood. Mm. And I was like, uh, you know, that doesn't sound very fun or cool, you know, <laughs> basically I would have had to sacrifice two full records before we could write our own, do our own songwriting basically. And that was not very, um, that was not very interesting for me. <laughs> that was not, because I mean, starting from when you're 17, I mean, I, Hey, don't get me wrong. That could be somebody's dream. That could be, it could be so easy for somebody to just to have just taken that. And it could have been so, so different for Dogwood. Right. But at the same time, it worked out to where it was good timing to be, it maybe was fortuitous to, to have broken up with that management and, you know, moved on, moved to tooth and nail, you know, it was good timing. So, so here's, that, here's that question for you Yeah, with the angst of, with the angst of secular labels trying to kind of mold dogwood into their own mind. I can imagine that's frustrating. Now your very first album on tooth and nail was also your hardest album to date. It's <laughs> definitely your heaviest album. Yeah. Did that have anything to do with like, hey, f screw you guys. I'm not going to do what you want. This is what we want to do now. Like, because honestly, I'm thinking of like a songs of like um, Never Die, which is honestly like that opening guitar riff. Unbelievable. Then you got Suffer, Out of the Picture, We Cry Victory. Those songs are probably the hardest songs you guys <laughs> have ever written. Like, was that have yeah. anything to do with saying, screw you, uh, secular labels. We want to do what we want to do. I guess in a sense, I was, I was, I was just talking to my brother about this. Sometimes, sometimes the songwriting is therapeutic for me where, where I, I write it down, I record it. I, I don't know that it's about something that in particular until I hear it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I did, I just, this is totally about, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, so some of the songs were not necessarily written in regards towards like never die was a, like an older song we had demoed and, you know, um, we just wanted to make that a really good song. Um, so that was also on the independent one originally. We had, we took it off once we went to Tooth and Nail. And um, the other ones you mentioned, yeah. So those, again, collaborative writing effort, Sean, Russ, Jason, and myself. Um, I guess I wasn't thinking towards the majors themselves, but we were, I was writing, We I did write a few songs, a few on that record towards management. So yes, in a sense, yes. Uh, it was all more towards that. It was the... Um, not like, hey, I told you so. More like, look, I'm still writing independently. I'm still writing what I want, how I want, and as hard as I want. You know. So that, that was that was that. Was that, was, that, was, that 
What is your favorite Dogwood album? Oh, album. Wow. Um, let's come back to that one because the more we talk about each album, I'm like, oh, I had to read Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to listen to that. Um, no, I, was, I don't really listen to I don't like listen to the records as a whole sometimes. Sometimes I will, but like on you know, like I do with other bands that are not not Dogwood, I'll, I'll listen to the whole record. I'll sit there with the album and stuff like so that. So you do listen to your records? I every once in because my kids will put it on or like it'll come on my playlist or jo- Joe Yerke. We we're talking to him last uh, a couple days ago. You know Joe Yerke. I love Joe. Yeah, he's such a down to earth guy. So we asked he's, him he's really funny. He's hysterical, like, he, but he does not listen to his music at all. Hmm. I'm like, what are you nuts? He told me when we were on tour with them that he didn't. He told me, I think he told me he didn't really like ska. I he well, but I don't know if he was kidding. Well, he didn't. It's funny because when he first told me, RJ, I don't know. <laughs> he is hit or miss. I feel like the entire interview, he would say something, and I'd be like, I don't know if this is true or not. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Going on. Shout out to Joe. I don't, I don't know if you were serious or not. <laughs> no, but Joe well, I think we're having nice. him back in the future, so we'll ask him that question. You should host one of these. He's he's hilarious. He he has actually he has his own podcast called The Average Jerks, oh, okay. which is in some other podcasts. But um, so your next album was uh, more than was it not was a um, the uh, building, building a better, better me. me. Yep. Oh, thanks, RJ. <laughs> well, thanks. I had a little brain fart here. I remember getting that album and mm-hmm. loving and loving the artwork and the concept of that album. Where did that even come up with? It was like a book. Yeah. So really cool story about that is, um, uh, uh, let's see, Shay, shout out Shay. He used to do our website and our like message boards and all that kind of stuff. And some, somehow he got connected with, uh, this guy, Chris, who, uh, was an animator at the Simpsons. Yeah, in, in Hollywood. So they started talking. Hey, he's like, hey, I'm a Dogwood fan. Um, I want to, would it be cool to like do some art, blah, blah, blah. And Shay's like, Shay told us and we're like, dude, we got a new record coming up. Let's see if he wants to like, you know, blah, blah. So so we sent him the list of songs. It, it just worked out with the, la- the label. I don't know how how all the back end worked because I was kind of always, I wanted to stay out of that kind of back end stuff. But like at the time, Tooth and Nail only had, um, I think Susie in the art department, just one person. Shout out Susie. She's now like the head of uh, head of uh, artwork at Mad Magazine, and um, so she she and Chris from The Simpsons kind of put the layout together. To we wanted to make it kind of like a look like an old storybook. Um, this the album was almost called Autobiographies because that's that kind of fit with the the yeah. book book vibe, which is the I think fifth or sixth track on the on the record. Um, but but uh, once we heard Building a Better Me and kind of um, saw the video or whatever, we're like, it kind of puts the better vibe of, of this the tome, the look of the old the look of an old library book or whatever you know. So we got to tour at the Simpsons studio. Did like, you really? Yeah, we that was awesome. There. He took us on a tour, and everyone like I, I, we all have huge posters of like all the Simpsons. They drew like drew a, drew us a bunch of pictures, um, stuff like it was really cool. Just seeing that, experiencing that, just 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 to get our work on our our little punk rock record, um, but yeah, shout out to Chris Bolden for doing that. We yeah. got a question from a fan. It says, Hello. "What what inspired the song Through Thick and Thin?" That's my favorite song dedicated to my brother growing up when we were going through a difficult childhood. Nice. It literally says, "You're my brother." That's the first line. <laughs> yeah. So um, that is another song that Russell and his friends wrote. I guess they used to kind of sing stuff like that when they were out surfing. Um, but then we, we brought him to the studio 
Um, cause Russell was in another band before he was in Dogwood. So they had, um, they had a couple of songs that they had on demos and I was like, dude, you're not in that band anymore. That band's not doing anything. Let's take a couple of your songs, you know? So like, you know, preschool days was, uh, was in his other band. We, we changed out, changed it out a little bit to fit our, our sound and through thick and thin was another one, but, the, but it didn't have music. So Sean Beatty, the bass player um, in Dogwood was also a ripping metal guitarist. So he he put in all those squeals. If you listen to that song, it's like got some squealing and stuff like that. And very, very metal for Dogwood at the time, you know? Um, but yeah, basically uh, Russ wrote that. And then I kind of added some lyrics at the end to kind of to fit the vibe of the song. But um, it was kind of interesting to me at the time being such a young, immature, you know, I didn't know much about the music scene or punk rock or um, just music in general or songwriting or studio life. Um, it's not, it's, it's kind of the most unique song on that record. You know, it doesn't have like, it's not like the fast double time beat or it's, it's not really like hardcore. It's not, uh, it's just, it's a very interesting sounding song. And I feel like that kind of paved the way to each record having an interesting sounding one, at least one interesting off, off sounding song a little bit, if you will. Um, there's always one in kind of an off-tempo like that one, but yeah. So for the listener, or you know, for the person who asked the question, I think that um, I, I was writing. I was writing in mind of of having a um, uh, an experience with with my my soon-to-be wife, like you know, a few years down the road. I was writing it kind of in with that in mind, but you know, kept the lyric like "You're my brother, companion," stuff like that. But think thinking we can go through anything together, kind of thing. We can we can ups and downs um and then we'll still be we'll still be we'll still get back together you know kind of thing that's awesome yeah so this brings us to your next rescue next next record should record. i say <laughs> my voice my uh my, my 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 words are leaving me right now so your next record here matt argon mm-hmm. this is a different tone for for dogwood it's definitely yeah. more melodic melod more Melody. Melodic. Melodic. Melody. See, this Melody. is why we have RJ here. I am only here to correct your grammar. That's it. <laughs> yes. RJ is the hype man. Describe this change because you each record um on Truth and Nail has a different sound. Correct. And some of that might have to also do with um I don't know why, but we had a different producer and studio on each record. Also. Okay. So the More Than Conquerors was Sound City in, in Hollywood with Nick. Yep went on to like and we were on which is crazy is we were one of his first records that he ever produced he went on to do now he's like the Foo Fighters producer right and um the second one was Building a Better Me which was in at the Blasting Room in Fort Collins with the Descendants so rock punk rock royalty right and then um so already two crazy situations two awesome studios and people third Matt Aragon um Brian Green, Fat Records, No Effects, all those, all those. He did all the, all that stuff, and then in San Francisco, Motor Studios. So all three are going to have a different approach, different sound, different microphones. You know, we probably had some different music, musical equipment at each one. Um, yeah. So yeah, to your point, if you listen to, if you listen to each one of our records from seventeen years old to all the way to Matt Aragon and beyond, you'll hear like the studio differences and. Oh and, yeah musicianship but like that that would also end up being sean o'donnell's last record with us as a as a guitarist i that was a sad day for me i'll tell you right now yeah, yeah so, sad sadness so, so it was kind of like his 
magnum opus, if you will, for, for, for us, right? So he put all his songwriting into that, all his creativity, you know, every single, you know, riff he could ever pull out. Like it was very, it's very theatric. Like if you, if you listen to it, he wrote it to be, you know, in this, in this order. There's a trilogy on there towards the end. There's three songs that really go together. They could bleed into the fourth song that go together. Like, um, and he did that with purpose, you know? And then Ryan just really, we really bonded well with Ryan as a producer. Um, we stayed at the studio. We lived, we lived there the whole time. And uh, yeah, we just, we, he got us that kind of that, maybe that sound that we wanted for, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Each record has, has a, we like the sound of each one, but it's kind of crazy to, to hear it from different producers ears, you know, yeah. in, a, yeah. in a studio dorky kind of way. Like you can totally hear the room. You can totally hear the producer's mind um in each in each record if you really listen to the records if you're like into that if you're into the sound and music nerdness of it um yeah there's a sound city more than conquerors huge huge rock studio blasting room small punk rock studio a motor studios another small punk rock studio with different with a different board and different production and producers so like yeah it's just kind of like crazy how they how they progressed in each one if you know doing a different sound it would have been so crazy if we would have just done one producer in one studio for each record. It would have been, you know, it would have been cool, but it also would have been sounded different, right? Hey, Andre, yeah. before you ask that question, I have one question because I've been dying to ask this question. As you're talking about your recording, um, do you have do you have a mic of choice? Um, I mean, yeah, the you know just the standard Sure SM whatever like regular stage mic. Yeah. But like I've used I've used the mic you have right there. You know, we've used you know at sound city he's like here he threw me like a, a 3500 dollars microphone he's like just hold it and run around the room and go crazy i was like no i don't yeah, absolutely not forget that i'm like i'm used to my 75 dollars microphone you know but you know um i've kind of used them all across whatever the studio has you know whatever the producer wants to put in my face you know um now i've been using a lot of um blue brand mics and audio technica you know Depending on what I'm recording, sometimes I sing. Sometimes I actually don't sing punk rock or hardcore, if you can believe it. No, no, whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> Drop the mic right now. What, what, what do, what do you, what do you try to, what do you do? Like, what do you sing? <laughs> I just have fun these days, and just like if, if I, I mean, I've always had a bunch of songs and lyrics that I never finished with the band, because um, I never really stopped writing. I feel like it's muscle memory. You wanna, you wanna keep going with that kind of stuff, and um, so you know. Lately, I've been putting out stuff with Saint Didicus under that under that moniker. Um, which now the the three songs that we released recently have been definitely still like punk rock and hardcore stuff. But um, there's there's other ones that are more acoustic and mellow that we just haven't finished. Um, just because I had a lot to say, and I didn't, you know, it's been such a weird and crazy year. There's been a lot of emotions pent up and stuff like that. I really want to still talk about those perspectives from, from a, a faith-based perspective, you know, justice, mental health awareness, like, you know, self-care is just, like stuff that I'm going through personally. I know that other people have to be going through that same mm. stuff this year in particular, um, whether regardless of any topic that we're talking about, just the year in general, you know, has been such a, such a meteor, you know, to your heart. Like I, well, I'm projecting on every single other person right now, but I feel like I basically have a lot to say about this year in particular. So I did that. I took this time this year to make songs. Yeah. So um, yeah, those are out there. They're out there. And we're just, I'm just still having fun. Got a, got a few more in the works. Just trying to collaborate with other musicians that aren't touring right now. You know, like I talked to Matt about doing some stuff and um, other musicians that, that you may or may not have heard of, but like, 
yeah, just on our own time. There's no labels involved, so we're just we're just having fun. Matt mentioned that. Matt said that uh, uh, you reached out. He reached out to you. And you said, "Oh, we should do some music." He's you should have heard his voice. He was like, "What?" <laughs> um, so I've known Matt since like I don't know, like right around our first record. You know, like he's a real good dude. Yeah, yeah, he's and he's been playing music the whole time. So I know uh, twenty years, I think, or twenty. Yeah. 24 awesome. years something ridiculous mm-hmm. um so in in uh respect for time wise uh mm-hmm. let's skip forward a little bit so the last album that was your studio album i think was 2003 ish on tooth and nail yeah. you guys went on a hiatus of sorts you came mm-hmm. back for a reunion mm-hmm. what have you been doing since dogwood has disbanded i guess would be the word um you guys never really had uh, like a final tour or a final show i think um this, so this since gives then... me hope this gives me hope that <laughs> so since then record. we know you're we know you're cooking we know yeah. your uh we know you've got the uh saint uh, is it saint didicus uh-huh. uh, yeah. uh, and that's with another member of uh, dogwood as well danny right yeah so far i've done all the done all the recording and songs with danny with awesome. some guests vocals the one i'm working on now is funny too because um i actually got matt aragon to sing on the song with me this this next one so that was actually my question before i wanted to fast forward so matt aragon is the name of your album it's not only the name of your album it's the name of a song and a person tell us a little bit about that person why is he so important he gets a song and an album oh my gosh he's got to be special yeah it's a good question i think you know for those who don't know um matt he was a he was a pretty I guess a kind of a linchpin in the um, in the Phoenix, Arizona music scene, punk rock music scene. He used to put on shows, house house bands coming through. Um, anyone coming through like the Phoenix area in any direction would kind of go through Matt Aragon or his people to to do shows. Um, so we we basically, you know, Phoenix is not that far from San Diego. Like on a on a drive, you can do it in, in a day, or less than a day. So we would do we would go out there a lot, and then we got to be good good friends with Matt and his family. And all his crew at his church and his, his different uh, different venues and stuff like that he was working at. So um, just got really close, and you know he was just super down for the band. And we thought it would be funny at the time to we'd be like, dude, we should name one. We should name our next record Matt Aragon or whatever. And then we had a song in the record that was called something else. I forget what it was actually called, but we said we'll just name we'll just make this one the title track um, because of the the lyrical content of of the song Matt Aragon matched. You know kind of who we were talking about or whatever so there's dedication and there's a, i think every band has that fan or that friend that's that could be the matt aragon and then the 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 label um got actually super behind the idea of doing this you know naming it matt aragon like doing this thing so they took matt they flew matt aragon to seattle did a whole photo shoot with him around the city you know matt aragon's on the bus and you know, um, they they were going to do some other stuff with some other bands who were recording at the studio up there and stuff like that. But so they took a, they basically had Matt up there for like I think up to a week and um, and a shirt that just said Matt Aragon on it and stuff like that. It was kind of it was kind of you know kitschy, funny, whatever. But like, uh, yeah, because Dogwood is always kind of no matter how serious the songs are, we were we were still just goofy people. So we was we thought it would be funny actually to just say <laughs> it'd be really funny to have a album called Matt Aragon, you know. <laughs> But I guess if you, you kind of have to know Matt Aragon to know that why it's funny. So so yeah, but you know now now he lives in San Diego and we're like almost neighbors basically. So uh, and he sings in a band. So we we I was like, dude, come do this duet with me, blah blah. So one of our next songs will be um, one of the next Saint Didica songs will be with Matt Aragon on vocals. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. So 
there's something that I'm really blown away by. Oh. And I want, yeah, I wanted to save this because, so I have, I have a daughter and a son. They're five and seven. And um, the one verse that I always talk to them about is a verse in Matthew. It says, for Christ did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Mm-hmm. You do that 100%. Yeah. So I was I was I was listening to an interview with you recently. Um, so you were a chef, and your wife's let me show if I get this straight now. Your wife's college roommate, yeah, um, started this amazing thing where they help people who were incarcerated um, learn every day. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So yeah. take it away. Yeah. So in back and also this goes to RJ's question. I kind of got into cooking. Actually, I got into cooking while on tour because between shows and stuff like that, we I would end up cooking for everybody. So it just worked out. And then I, after the band stopped playing as much, I was getting jobs in the restaurant industry and in chef life and stuff like that. And then uh, my wife's college roommate at, at Westmont College here in Santa Barbara uh, was starting this nonprofit organization called Old School Cafe basically out of her house because she was a, she was a corrections officer at a boys ranch, like a, a retraining facility for incarcerated youth, um, young, young men. So she was working with 13 to 18 year olds, um, all boys. It was a boys ranch. And she was like, you know, she was like, basically she had to be a drill sergeant, but it would like, it was like breaking her heart. So after they would get out, she would kind of befriend them. And then she's like, what are you doing back? Like when they come back to jail, basically. And they're like, no one will hire us because, you know, we got a record and we went back to the streets and did our thing, did our, did the, the whatever they did to get him in trouble. She's like, there's got to be a better way, you know, and she was in San Francisco. So like, what's in San Francisco? What's, what's the industry up here that anyone could work? Oh, restaurants, food industry. Sure. So she tried to figure out a way to do that, but she didn't have any experience in the restaurant industry, um, but she really wanted to help these kids. And my wife is an art therapist, so she's a she does um, she's a marital and family therapist, you know, counselor, psychologist. Um, so she so so Teresa is the lady in San Francisco. She's like, hey, what if you two, you and your wife and your family, my kids were babies at the time, move to San Francisco, and do this with me, do this with and for me, and help me build the restaurant and help the kids? And we're like, oh. Okay, so it took a, it took her like two years of talking with us to make it to actually find feel feel like it was a good timing and calling to go. So we went to San Francisco and started the the you know really started the rest built the restaurant basically with the kids. So all these previously incarcerated youth, foster care, uh, homeless youth, um, sixteen to twenty four year olds basically started the restaurant Old School Cafe, out, moved it out of her house and into a restaurant, a real working restaurant, and it's still. It's, I'm not there anymore, but it's still up and running in San Francisco because we, we got it to, we were there for three years and my wife did, you know, life coaching and counseling with the kids and we're, Teresa's, you know, teaching them job skills and, you know, how to just basically present themselves in the real world, how to stay out of trouble, stuff like that. And then I was doing anything restaurant related. So anything from cooking to, you know, shopping, customer service, all this kind of stuff, just anything that could keep them in a job. And it's, it's been going, you know, it's working. So, and we would do live music. So I was really stoked about that. Yeah. And then also it was just cool being in San Francisco because there's a really vibrant music scene and punk rock up there. And so I was really stoked to be there. And then we moved back down to San Diego and kind of did the same thing with another organization down in San Diego called Urban Life. We did a cafe and stuff like that. So kind of the same thing at at risk youth, if you will. And uh, 
that's still up, that's still thriving, you know? So now I just do consulting and volunteering for the different organizations that need help. Um, yeah, I teach with, uh, I do, um, I teach culinary with the juvenile correctional facilities and stuff like that for San Diego County. So trying to do all that stuff, use my, you know, spiritual gifts of hospitality to do that. And in my professional life of chefing, trying to do like music and food pairings. So like, you know, when, when we can get back to normal, uh, do, you know, punk rock shows and pairing food pairings and beverage pairings and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's been kind of fun. Yeah. That's awesome. We have a, we have a comment here from a, a fan. They say, um, I want to thank you for following your passion and the calling Lord, like the Lord let you to, or led you to, you've ministered to him growing up and many others. Thanks for being a great inspiration. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it was just kind of speaking from our own unfortunate experiences and, um, but just trying to, trying to have fun, I guess, singing those experiences into life, you know, so appreciate that, that we're inspiring. Well, I was inspired by a lot of, a lot of musicians and other, other things growing up too, like, you know, the other bands or my mom or, you know, just different mentors in my life. So I appreciate that. Nice. So you mentioned, uh, St. Didicus that uh you guys have been releasing music this year um so how did that come about uh what made you want to get back into um doing something formal uh, in music i think because i never really wanted to stop um i'm you know i'm you miss it you know like it's it's just such a such a well for one thing let, let me be honest it was a huge part of my life being in the band it was 14 years full time straight out of high school, you know, I based my, all my jobs and careers around the band. Um, and then, so when I was, when we stopped playing as live as much, I was like, Oh man, I didn't, you know, we didn't, re- I didn't realize I missed it until we, um, we played together again with, you know, we did the reunion show with MXPX and five iron frenzy. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like, man, this, this is fun. But at, at the same time, during that whole time, I had never stopped writing lyrics and songs and stuff like that. Um, just wanted to figure out a way to how, how can I do it? And I think this year really spurred me along uh, for, you know, the good or the bad, whatever you want to say, like it really spurred me along to there were, for one, there was more time to do it. And um, just, you know, like I said, just, I think St. Didicus was always kind of brewing, you know, it was always there. St. Didicus is the patron saint of San Diego, basically. So I thought it'd be a clever name SD. So um, just wanted to, do it kind of with no agenda and no no label like timing or pressure or whatever just to kind of put out songs as i want to or as we want to with whoever can wants you know whoever can do it with together um but yeah still with some kind of some kind of message behind it so like you know like i said there's a song about really like how are we dealing with mental health awareness and self-care during this or where is god in all this stuff that's happening right now or you know I went through a really dark week and here's the song, here's a song about it, you know? And so I met, I have a song coming up that I wrote. That's just about my kids, you know, um, because we, because we've been together so much more this during this time, like homes, you know, basically homeschooling and um, yeah, we're 24 seven together. So like, wow, you really get to know somebody. <laughs> like, Yay, this is great. So, um, so yeah. So wrote a song about that and just like, and like going back to one of our previous conversations, like the match maturation of, of lyricism uh, through, throughout your spiritual journey, whether it's, you know, whether in a dark place or the high of your, of your, you know, 
the Christian life or wherever you are or, or out of it altogether, like we're all still human in this capacity. And um, what's that like if you're ex church or starting church or like I said, in the middle of it, like what's that like? And how do we, how do we talk about those things? And in a, I don't want to say safe space, but how do we talk about those things without um, repercussion from other people, wherever they are in their, their journeys, you know, you know, some people are, some people are over it altogether. And some people are just, like I said, just discovering it. Um, so it's, it's, uh, I want to be, I want to be respectful and sensitive to those things, you know, cause I don't, I don't know it all. Like I thought I did when I was 17. <laughs> um, so I, I was listening to a interview with you recently. They were talking about, will dogwood ever get back together? And that's the dying question, but I know, I know it's a challenge because you have, um, Sean, Sean's over in New Jersey. You're in San Diego. Um, uh, the, the, the bass player is now in the fire department or something like that or something of that nature. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of travel happening. No, basically no, I'm the only one in San Diego. Basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sean, Sean's actually, he moved from New Jersey, but he's still pretty, he's in San Jose and, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't think, I don't know if it'll, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I feel like the good part about that is that we, 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 we pass the torch to the next kind of the next couple of generations of, cause I mean, let's, let's be honest. We're, we're old school. We're like, you know, when, if you listen to like the tooth and yell podcast or like other, other, like, I don't know, I don't know half the bands that are on labels, the new, the labels that I was on, you know, face down and tooth and nail and rest. Like I didn't really keep up with everything. But I'm a huge music fan, but at the same time, I'm old school. So um, we we pass the torch to the couple of new generations of musicians and bands to to maybe not take over for what we're doing, but to kind of say, hey, our time is our time has come, and it's your time to be awesome and do the things. Um, hope you can do the good do the things that you're called to do and have fun doing. Well, you know, do the whole thing, do the whole mentor mentor mentee kind of relationship um but yeah i i i don't like to say never but uh you know because because we did it in 2017 and um how how was that by the way getting back with the guys and playing with mxpx yeah it was great five iron frenzy yeah it was cool like uh not just playing but and being in front of like uh, you know our hometown because we got to do san diego yeah and another city but um all the other bands that actually came out to watch too. Cause like I saw people out in the crowd, they were in other, you know, pretty popular bands like singing along and stuff like that. Like it was really cool. Cause they're younger. So they used to go to our shows. And so like they're moshing and singing along. I was like, Oh, that's really cool. You know, like whatever. And then, you know, of course we had, we all had our kids on the stage. Like it was a whole like other experience because, you know, last time we were on stage, there was no kids. Like, I mean, none of us had them, right? Or maybe there was a couple of babies. But now it's like, you know, our whole side stage, there's like, you know, 20, 30 kids plus cousins and stuff like that. It was funny. Like, whoa, Uncle Josh, you're crazy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like that. And then, uh, but then, but all the other other bands, like, you know, we went to the Ventura show, like, you know, Slick Shoes guys come and hang out and like other, just people from our fans that we've been friends with for, you know, since we started, basically, we're out there. It was fun. Listen, if, if Slick Shoes can get back together, Dogwood can get back together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never know. Oh, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, yeah, I'm I'm very content with I'm content with what we did. You know, like 
we got the four records on Tooth and Nail. Mm. Not a lot of bands got to do four records on Tooth and Nail. And, you know, that was a good experience for us. And, um, yeah, it's fun. You guys have been a huge inspiration for me. Your lyrics, uh, even I even gained more respect for you as a person listening to the podcast, seeing you actually put your faith into action. Um, I was in Bible study last night. We have a men's Bible study I go to on Tuesday nights, and we're talking about in James, we're talking faith and action need to work together. And hearing, I was listening today to um, Billy Powers' podcast back in the day, 2017, Billy. And you were on that podcast, and you were just yeah. talking about all your faith in action. Well, you, you didn't say faith in action, but you were talking about the things that you're doing to yeah. help the community. Yeah. That to me is amazing, and I think that so many people can be not only well. Not only did you inspire people lyrically wise in the band, but you're also inspiring people now that with your actions in the community. I think that's just amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like it might be a, it's a natural spillover from from the band to doing what I'm doing now. Like you know, uh, my, my, my spiritual gifts is, is teaching and hospitality. So, you know, with the band, I was kind of, kind of teaching in a way, like when I'm singing or speaking or whatever, maybe, unless I was too like out of my place, but definitely hospitality. And I feel like those are qualities. Like I said, if I'm, I am personally trying to walk and, you know, follow Jesus as a, as a person that he was really good at hospitality, you know, and he says in so many ways in the Bible to, to be hospitable to people, like, your neighbor, the poor, the widow, you know, all this kind of stuff, you know, the refugee, all this stuff. And I feel like if I'm doing those things and I'm, I, I feel like me personally that I'm doing it right, you know? Um, and I want to do that. I want to do that thing. And I think, and like I said, I think it spills over from being in the band for so long and touring the continent and like doing all that stuff. Um, it's a natural progression of, of um, more, more maturation of, of your faith journey. Yeah. Yeah. Before we before we wrap up, I just want to talk about one more, two more things, and we we kind of hit on it before, and we um we, before RJ um, came on. I love the fact that all you went through as a band, um, you've been in the band for about twenty years. You still love Jesus, and I, I remember saying before, I I see a lot of Christian bands that were either on tooth and nail, or face down, um. And it almost seems like they walked away from their faith after, but mm. you, it seems, are stronger than ever. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, well, I'm glad it seems that way. It's good. <laughs> I, you, I, you, you put up a good front. <laughs> yeah. Hello, hello, Michael and RJ. Um, yeah, I this is like, this is a pink glass, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, like I said, I don't know if I said it earlier in the podcast or offline, but it's it's hard. It's very hard to do that, and it's a um, you have to, I don't know. It's it's been hard for me and the, through these experiences, and it was hard the whole time, even with the band. Like you know, being being a good person while you're on the road, and being a good person while you're trying to write lyrics about something that is so so meaningful to you, you know, stuff like that. Like without you know swearing up and down or like cursing somebody to hell or like you know doing this stuff. It's like it's hard to be a good person, right? Um, I think now, seem I think the reason I seem like I'm stronger than ever or whatever is because um because i i now have a sense of it like i am i'm aware that um that i'm not well for one thing i'm not i'm not perfect like i thought i was when i was on the first couple of records right i know that uh 
there are other people out in the world that are better and smarter and, you know, just people than me in general. I, I need to look up to somebody, you know, you need a men mentor. My mentor passed away a few years ago, um, which was unfortunate, but like he was, it put a big impact on my life to, to be that person to people, you know, now, who was that? <laughs> uh, his name was Steve Shepard. Um, he was, he was my, he was our, uh, a, a youth pastor and he did our wedding, um, uh, here in San Diego and he, he, he is from Wisconsin. So I, I got to go visit him in Wisconsin and just, I made him, I made him some, a dinner that he wanted, you know, cause I was already doing chef work and, um, it was, it was, a, it was bittersweet, you know, like blah, blah, but he was still like the same, same, same old person that he was even up to his deathbed. Yeah. And, um, but it's just inspiring to be kind of that person because I, I have kids, I have students, I have employees um, that I need to be that towards, you know? And um, I think the reason that, it, like I said, it seems that I'm good is because I think, like, I, don't get me wrong, there's still, I still struggle with doubts and um, philosophical quandaries and stuff like that. Like, why this and why that? But, but I have the wonderful opportunity to write songs about it because <laughs> you can i can put i can write it down i can scratch things out and like really see it record it the man physical manifestation of you know in your ears and you know from my mouth stuff like that to of what i'm feeling and does it make sense to other people i don't know but like i got to say it so now i feel now i can like experience that you know or like for myself you know actually one nice. more question one more question for you because you said you wanted to come back to this question what is your favorite Dogwood album? <laughs> he thought he was getting away with it. RJ, I'm, do you have a question? Do I what? I said, RJ, do you have a question? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have one. What is your favorite Dogwood album? That's what I'm talking about. That's RJ has my to... back. RJ has your back. So, okay. So, yeah. Like you said, I mean, Through Thick and Thin has all like every song me it has a strong meaning right um the only the only thing i don't like about that one is i mean you, you got to take it for what it's what it is I'm, i was we were 18 you know small production whatever like it just doesn't sound that good as good as it could you know if we did it like as our fourth record or fifth record yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and that's so i'm gonna give it a i'm gonna take off one star for that whatever there you go yeah yeah <laughs> um, now Building a Better Me has it's got some it's got some some meat in there, right? And then um, yeah, like it's like it's just like like more you said more than Congress is almost heavy. I mean seismic. Um, uh, Sean left the band but came back to produce that record. Yeah. So, had, so um, and then so Danny's Danny's guitar the guitar playing is like very like kind of like I would say like my style of music, if you will, like no knock against anything else, but like, I really like hardcore and I really like dark chords and melodies and stuff like that. And that showed that really shows a lot on that record. Like just the, the way that he plays and stuff like that gave me a chance to really write, write a little more darkly, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. In the sound, like a lot of minors, a lot of like chugging, a lot of, you know, I don't know. It was, it was just, it was just a, a different sound. Um, sometimes that record, sometimes that's my favorite record. Um, but then, okay, I'm just gonna put it out there. But let's hear. I'm, I'm waiting for this one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I'm gonna, I think I would say Matt Aragon. 
That's a good choice. I think it's Aragon. It's very hard to say like favorite, but you know, I might say something different on the uh, next time I hear because I'm gonna. Now I have to go listen to all the records, (laughs) make sure I'm not wrong. But like, no, but uh, uh, just like the the reason it was like Sean's opus and like just the way it's all put together and just the. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but like that one's just that one's very. It's very clean. You know, that if you listen to that record, it's a very, it's probably our cleanest record. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, it's very, the, the song, the music is very melodic on that one. Like, um, it's, it's hard to explain it from my perspective, but like, I feel like I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm picturing each song in my head right now. And uh, it, that one, that one is more of a record from start to finish. It's more of, a, I feel like a complete album. I agree, 100, I agree 100% with that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. more. That one's more of a uh, kind of a start to finish album. Not that I'm skipping songs or whatever, but like, um, it's written to be a start to finish album. Nice. Yeah. Well, hey, we we thank you for taking the time to yeah. come on the podcast with us and and talk to us. Every time we do this, this is our fourth one, if I can oh, okay. do math correctly. Um, and every time we just, I love learning about the background of things. I love learning about the heart of the people, and just like the three prior to this. Uh, learning about kind of what you've been doing since Dogwood has been yeah. really awesome. I know we've had some comments on here from people. Uh, a social worker uh, was on here talking about um, just how inspiring it was to hear what you've been up to in the meantime. Right. I'm also super excited for your new stuff coming out this year. So um, uh, thank you again for coming out. Your music has been, uh, like you said, you're old school. You were a part of, of a time frame for, for Mike and I where uh christian rock was and punk rock was was coming up for us and uh and you were a big part of that scene so we really thank you for taking the time to hang out with us well you're both super welcome i was stoked to be a part of that scene and um yeah just glad to have reached uh, the people that we reached and talked to and yeah i wouldn't change it for anything nice well thank you so much uh could you stay on for one sec after the after the uh podcast but guys this is the four seven podcast we had a great conversation with mr josh kimball of dogwood um guys go check out the music if you haven't heard it it's amazing inspiring and we thank you josh for the conversation you got it a oh, oh, fun fact yes um, um building a better me just just came on itunes about two weeks ago really yes <laughs> that's on, awesome on apple music for some reason it was not on apple for till like two weeks ago so if you use apple or itunes building a better me is now on there awesome thank you josh we'll talk again soon yes